B2B digital marketing is all about getting your business in front of the right customer. Now, at Exposure Ninja, we've won bags of awards for our B2B digital marketing and our B2C marketing, of course, but we've helped loads of different B2B companies attract inbound leads. So in today's episode, I'm going to share with you six ways to bring in B2B leads using digital marketing that you can start playing with immediately. And by the way, if you're B2C listening to this, don't worry, you can implement all of this stuff into a B2C company. The examples that we're going to be talking about, they're all B2B, but don't let that put you off. The principles are fundamental. I've got that wrong, haven't I? The fundamentals are fundamental. I'm also going to share with you my favorite B2B marketing rule of them all. So keep your ear out for that. Let's go. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja. We're a digital marketing agency that helps our clients get more leads and sales from their website. And that's exactly what this podcast is all about. Now, today we're going to be looking into B2B digital marketing. Now, I have a question for you. Where do new potential customers go if they need to find a new supplier or they need to figure out a tricky problem they're facing? Where would you go? Google, obviously, it's not a trick question. Get found, get money. That's why SEO can be so profitable for B2B companies who want more inbound leads. So let's talk about a few ways that you can use B2B SEO. So way number one is to work out if your audience is using industry or sector specific long tail search terms and laser target them. So I'm going to talk you through an example here to sort of illustrate this point. Now, one of our B2B clients sells a relatively niche product. It's a visitor management software. So this is the software that people use to track who is entering and leaving buildings. So hospitals will use this and schools will use this and some uh, companies who want to track who's coming in and out of their offices, that type of stuff. So we identified that this client's target audience used sector specific search terms, things like visitor management hospital or visitor management system for schools. Yay, great find. We've got some really long tail phrases that we can target. Now, the problem with this is that search volumes for these terms obviously were fairly low, in some cases as low as like 30 per month. Now, there was some good news here in that there was clearly high commercial intent behind these terms. As you would expect, people don't search for visitor management hospital because they're bored watching Love Island, right? (laughs) This is someone who clearly has a problem. They have an itch that they need to scratch. So there was some high commercial intent, advertisers bidding over £14, which is like, I don't know, $16 or $10, depending on what we're doing with our currency over here in the UK this week uh, per click. So clearly when there's, you know, £14, £16, $100 per click, then, uh, you know, there's money to be made. So that's the good news, commercial intent, but relatively low search volume. Now, most of our clients' competitors hasn't realized, they hadn't looked at these lower volume search terms, or their SEO was targeting some really generic keywords instead. They were higher search volume, but very low chance of ranking for uh, the phrases that, you know, we're we're talking about here. You know, really stupid, crazy uh, things like, um, I don't know, like uh, work remote or, you know, things like that. that Yes, visitor management software could be related to it, but it's so broad. It's such an informational topic that there's almost no benefit to ranking for something like that if you're selling such a niche specific thing, particularly if you're trying to rank product pages for those types of things. Um, It was also very unlikely that that traffic would turn into a customer. So what we did is we said, right, we'll let them, you know, waste all their energy on these super broad phrases that they're never going to rank for anyway. And even if they do, it's going to be very small amount of qualified traffic. 
we're going to go after the more niche uh, industry sector terms. So we built out content on their site targeting these phrases and picked up some really nice rankings. Even though search volumes are low, because the quality of the traffic is so high, we help them generate a £2.7 million pipeline in sales for an investment in SEO and content marketing of 74k. So that's a 36 times ROI. And that came from being specific about who we were targeting and prioritizing quality over quantity. So the action from this piece is if you're selling to particular sectors or industries, consider building and ranking specific pages and content on your site talking about how you benefit those industries. You're going to have lower search volume, but that traffic might be really highly qualified and much more valuable. And because obviously the content on the page is so optimized for that person who's on the site, if I'm you know, looking for visitor management software for a hospital, for example, and I land on a page which is all about that, I'm resonating, right? Now, of course, you can run ads, either Google, LinkedIn, both, to get in front of decision makers in these industries as well. And you can put these pages in front of them and they're going to get a higher conversion rate than just driving them to a typical product or feature page because the content is so targeted to them. So that is way number one. Go um, go sort of long tail, go niche keyword targeting on industry and sector specific search terms. B2B inbound lead gen SEO strategy number two. So we're going to do, I think, three SEOs and then the rest of the tips are like email and content marketing and stuff like that uh, and conversion rate optimization. So tip number two is bludgeon. You have to bludgeon. You can't just gently tickle your competitors with massive amounts of amazingly useful content to improve ranking for the most competitive commercial terms. So I hope you've got your bludgeoning gloves on. The truth is that most B2B companies don't have anywhere near enough information on the pages that they're trying to get ranked. Okay, so they'll have a bit of information on their homepage, they'll have a few thin pages or service pages or feature pages or product pages. And then they'll try and get those pages ranked. And they're not really thinking of their website as a marketing tool. They're just thinking of their website as brochure, something that they know they should have. Those pages won't rank and they won't get leads if they're too thin on content. But I know what you're saying, but wait, Tim, John Mueller of Google said, word count is not a ranking factor. Word count on its own is not a ranking factor. So don't just stuff your pages with rubbish thinking that we need to get, you know, past a 300 or 600 word threshold. And all of a sudden, boom, all your Googles are belong to us. That's not going to happen at all. Word count on its own is not a ranking factor, but quality is a ranking factor. So I'm going to give you a little game. Now we're going to play a little game. I'm going to be honest, it's not going to work as well in purely audio form as it does on video. So if you want to go over to the YouTube channel and search for Exposure Ninja, B2B, digital marketing, whatever, then you'll find this video and you can see the pages I'm about to describe to you. But otherwise, um, then uh, buckle up and I'm going to try and describe some pages to you. So the game is which page is the most useful? Which one are we going to convert on? Okay, so page number one is what we're looking for is we're looking for online booking systems. Okay, so online booking system, this is unrelated to clients. This is just I've just got googled online booking system. I've got a really long detailed page. The call to action is get a free account. The other one is get inspired. No idea what that means. But hey, get a free account has a little arrow pointing to it that says no credit card needed, which is great uh, risk reduction. It's uh, handling one of the main objections that we might have. We've then got examples of businesses where this uh, product is featured and they've got, you know, all these review stars all over the place. Then we've got information about how the thing works. We've got a video showing how it works. We've got features being broken out. We've got templates that you can use and you can go and see all the templates for your booking thing. You've got another CTA for the sign up now. Then we've got some information about clients who are using this so you can see how they're using it and how they're playing with it. Then we've got information about how this can be integrated with loads of different channels. Then it, 
There's information about how it can be really easy to do. Then we've got some testimonials. We've got some benefits. We've got mobile app information about the mobile app. Then we've got more testimonials, Q&A, blah, 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 blah. And then we've got probably, I don't know, 10 page scrolls on desktop of information about this booking system. Looks pretty freaking cool. Then we've got page number B, the second example in our little game. And the headline is event management software. There's a paragraph of text and a button that says contact us. Then we've got three boxes showing you what it does. Event ticketing, charity event management or visitor attraction. Then we've got event management solutions and some bullet points. And then we've got a contact us button at the, button at the bottom. Okay, I've got no idea what this thing looks like, given that event management software, I probably want to see what it looks like, right? I've got no idea really who it's targeting. Uh, I've got no idea about any credibility, nothing. There's almost no information. We've got two page scrolls on desktop and each of them are more disappointing than the last. So which one are we going to convert on? So remember, word count is not a ranking factor in its own right, but quality is. And the game is lame because it's so obvious, but of course we'd be more compelled to convert on the page which had all the information, which showed everything. You know, your best salesperson talking to your best prospect, how much detail do they go into? They go into as much detail as they need to to get the sale. The second page has gone into almost no detail. This is like a salesperson turning up to a prospect and giving them two paragraphs and then just standing there with their hand out, expecting the prospect to hand over all of their money and the keys to their car. It's just not going to happen. Total rubbish. So it won't surprise you that page A also significantly outranks page B. Significantly. Page A is page, uh, page one on Google. Page B, the one with no information, is back end of Google. So it's also going to generate more business. It's going to generate more conversions as well. Now, we have used this exact strategy with another one of our B2B clients. We helped them rank position one on Google for 138 different B2B commercial keywords. 138. How? By massively increasing the amount of useful information on their key commercial pages. So your key commercial pages are like your product pages, um, service pages if you're a service business, they might be your uh, feature pages if you're like a software business and you've got a few pages about each individual features. Basically, your key pages are the ones that are most likely to lead to money. They're the ones that talk about what you do or who you do it for. Okay, so by massively increasing the amount of useful information on key commercial pages, and we also built them a huge blog, which we'll come back to later. And we got them featured in industry publications to get some juicy, juicy links, which we'll also come back to later. So the action step here is review the pages on your website that sell your thing, whatever it is. Do they answer all of the questions a potential visitor might have? Do they give benefits? Do they give examples of the thing in use? If you're selling software, we need to see the software. We're not going to buy some software if we don't even know what it looks like or how it works. And do they explain who can benefit from your thing and how? If in doubt, add more information. Imagine your best salesperson talking to your best prospect. Your best salesperson is probably quite, what's the word? Is it verbose? They probably talk a lot, right? Because talking a lot tends to convince people as long as you don't go too far. So I'm told. Um, now, before we go on, I want to give you a bit of a B2B marketing story. This is my favorite B2B lesson, B2B marketing lesson of all time. Now, in 2013, I was sat in a dark, cramped office in Bristol in the UK while a miserable business consultant in a cheap suit, no, not me, um, told me that no serious company would ever trust an agency called Exposure Ninja. <laughs> the name. People always have issue with the name. And that, by the way, that was before we plastered cartoon shinobis everywhere. If you haven't seen our cartoon shinobis, they're little ninjas and everyone always says, uh, uh, we're worried that we're not going to look professional. But guess what? Nobody cares. That consultant held the mistaken belief, but very common belief that in order to be credible, you must be boring. Okay. In order to be credible, you must be boring. This is totally wrong. 
You can build credibility by loads of different ways, by demonstrating your expertise, by building a large audience, through great design, through personality, right? The first edition of our Google book, how to get to the top of Google, we call it the Google book, uh, show people how to get any website to the top of Google, right? Now this thing, the first edition was a mess. It was a total mess. I was talking to people today. I didn't even proofread it. I just wrote it and then I published it. The first, first edition, I designed the cover myself. That was a disaster. And we got professional designer to design the cover and then it started to take off. I didn't even proofread it. So people used to send me a list of fixes by email. So they'd be like, Tim, I absolutely love the book. It's incredible. I've used it to help my website get ranked. But the trouble is, you know, I've attached some fixes, some grammar and spelling mistakes that you might want to correct. And then they would list all of the mistakes on the pages. And, you know, here I go, <laughs> I love you. I want to help you out type thing. Now, that was great. Some of them would also say, hey, we're really interested in working with Exposure Ninja. You clearly know what you're doing. So think about what happened there. They'd read a book by someone who hadn't even proofread their own work. We're more diligent than this now, I should also say. But I had still had credibility because the stuff in the book was good. The stuff worked and people could see through the stories in the book that this stuff worked for other businesses. So I didn't need to be boring. I didn't need to wear a suit. I didn't even need to spell check the stuff. It still had credibility because the information was good. Now, I'm not saying that you need to like not spell check. I'm not saying that you need to not proof and not edit your work. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is there's different ways to build credibility and wearing a suit and being boring and calling your, your business something really dry. That is one way of building credibility potentially, but I don't even think it's a particularly effective way of doing that. So boring is not a selling point. Just because we're selling to a company, just because we're selling B2B doesn't mean our marketing needs to be boring. And this is my favorite B2B marketing lesson. B2Bs think they need to be dry and boring because we're selling to, you know, well, yeah, I know everyone else can be fun. You know, all of these other companies can be fun. Gymshark can be fun. These businesses can work with influencers and do cool stuff. And Tim, you can have cartoon ninjas, but you don't, you don't get it. My business, we need to be really boring because we're selling insurance or we're selling accounting. Guess what? I have to be honest. We've parted ways with accountants because they were so boring. Okay. Being boring is not a selling point. Now, how can I prove this to you? Because some of the world's largest and best known companies ask a stupid agency called Exposure Ninja with cartoon ninjas for their help with digital marketing. In fact, they do so through the free website and marketing review, which I'm now going to segment into talking about for a couple of seconds. So this free website and marketing review requested by some of the world's largest companies is incredible. If you go to our website, ExposureNinja.com and click the big button to request your review, here's what happens. We ask you a few questions about your business and your goals. You fill them in, giving us as much detail as you want to. We then take all of that information and do some research into how we think you could grow towards those goals. So we'll look at things like SEO, content, social media, your ads, your conversion rate optimization on your website. We'll put all of our findings into a video which we send to you by email, usually within two to three working days. This service, guess how much it costs, right? Nothing. That's crazy, isn't it? Nothing. It costs absolutely nothing to request. So go to ExposureNinja.com and click the big button to request your free website and marketing review. Now, in some cases, the free marketing review actually isn't the most beneficial thing we can do for you. So depending on the stage that your business is at, sometimes we say, okay, it's actually there's something more useful we can do with this business. So we might 
send you some training or we might give you a we might give you free access to a course or something like that. So depending on the stage that your business is at, there might be something more useful that we can give you. But it will always be high value and we'll always do whatever we can to help you grow um, at the stage that you're at. So go to ExposureNinja.com, click the button to request your free website and marketing review. Do it like now. If you're driving, do it in a minute or just pull over and do it whenever. But do it. Do it. It's really good, honestly. Okay. Um, on with the, the B2B SEO tips. We've got one more SEO tip, I think. One more SEO tip. Ah, it's actually a content marketing tip. So this tip is to build a huge pipeline through top of funnel content. It's very rare that a high growth B2B digital marketing campaign won't feature top of funnel content. Okay, what do we mean by top of funnel content? Well, if you imagine that um, there is a fixed pool of potential customers ready to purchase whatever it is that you're selling at any time. Okay, let's say that we are selling, oh, I don't know. Let's say that we're selling office furniture, right? There's a fixed number of businesses that are ready to buy office furniture at any one time. Loads and loads of businesses will buy office furniture, but they might not be ready to do it now. So you've got two options. You can either just target the people that are ready to buy now. And of course, you do want to target those people. So you might do this by targeting commercial search terms in search. You might be um, you might be running ads to those commercial terms. So if someone types in like office furniture supplier, then you want to be running ads, you want to be ranking for those terms, obviously. But how do you get on the radars of all the people who are going to buy it in the next one, two, three, five years, but they're not going to do it right now? Well, you do this by creating top of funnel content. So you can use this in many, many different ways. You can get it ranked for like problem type terms. You can run ads to it on LinkedIn. You can target decision makers and show it to them. An example in the office furniture, you know, thing that we're talking about here. So let's say that you wanted to get on the radar of, I don't know what it would be like an office procurement manager or, you know, someone who's going to be specking out and designing an office. Well, you might target some top of funnel content around, you know, how to design a productive office or something like that. And you might give some tips on, you know, here's how people flow through an office and here's how you encourage people to co-mingle and coagulate to spark off new ideas and genius concepts and stuff like that, right? You want to be careful not to spark off too much stuff, but you might create that type of thing. So in other words, you're getting on people's radars before they're ready to purchase, but as they start moving into this process of thinking about it. Now, the goal here is that you get them on your site, you can then run retargeting ads to them, you sign them up for some sort of email list, you have calls to action that target multiple different commitment levels, which we'll talk about in just a minute. And then you get them on your email list, or you get them in your retargeting audience, and you can then market to them over the years or over the months or over the weeks until they are ready to make a decision when they are. Of course, they think of you first because you've educated them, you've been there, you've, you've put them through your indoctrination sequences and all that good stuff. So let me give an example. We have a well-known client that sells accreditation to businesses here. So they sell accreditation like a, like a certification which allows those businesses that are certified to you know go after bigger projects and stuff like that. Now, there was a massive change in this industry coming because there was going to be a new accreditation being rolled out. Now, the bad news for our client was that this new accreditation would blow their market wide open. It would lower the barrier to entry for new competitors. So rather than just being in a space where they're competing against like a few businesses, they were going to be competing against loads and loads of organizations that would now be able to offer this new accreditation. So super, super bad news on the surface. No, but we decided we can't really change this. So we're going to have to use it as an opportunity. So what we did is we built new pages on their website, targeting searches about the new accreditation. We decided that actually the new accreditation was a top of funnel content opportunity because people were going to be asking, what's this accreditation all about? Like, how does this work? Who needs it? Is it better than existing stuff? Like, what's all this? You know, all of those different questions that people would have about something new. So we decided to build content all around these topics and dominate search. 
We created huge guides explaining what it is, what it all meant, to help those at the top of the funnel who were starting to navigate information about this. We got them ranking. As I say, we dominated Google for these searches about the new accreditation. The result, an increase in non-branded search traffic of 1,400% year on year. 1,400%. This is an established business, well-known in this space, loads and loads of obviously branded traffic already because they're well-known. But we use this as a launch pad to get so much more unbranded traffic, i.e. people that didn't already know about them, into their world than before this accreditation had been rolled out. Long and short of it, this new accreditation came out that could have been like an existential challenge to them. And they grew through that. They built not only their organic traffic and their digital marketing stuff, but they grew the business through that. So we turned something that could have been a horrific, you know, existential threat into a massive opportunity. Now, of course, to do this, it's no good just producing the information. You also need to be generating leads at different stages of the funnel. You need to have different calls to action and you need to have a way of automating what goes on in the back end so that when someone comes onto your site asking a question and they're not ready to buy yet, what do you? how do you get them to convert on your website if they're not ready to buy yet? So we'll talk about that in just a minute. But the action is, um, the action that you can take is to, if you haven't already, go onto our YouTube channel and watch, we've got a video called the 10 million pound or $10 million content marketing playbook. Go and watch that because it explains how to create content that's targeting different levels of the funnel. So that's a really good place to start. Okay, so B2B inbound lead gen strategy number four, get your company featured in industry publications. This is great for thought leadership for making you look like a total boss. And it's great for picking up links for SEO. So here's a three step genius strategy that most people use when they try and get coverage in industry publications. Step number one, they make a press release about the most boring thing they can find. You know, Bob got promoted to director, the offside rear bearing on Angela's car seized up, you know, that type of thing. They get their press release together. They're so proud of it. They blast it out. And by blast it out, I mean, tentatively send it out a couple of times to info at publication.com. Nothing happens. And then step three is they give up. Now, I think we can do a little bit better than that process. If you want to get coverage for your B2B company, it's a good idea to start off with having something to say. Sounds obvious, few do it. So for one B2B client that we work with, we conducted a survey of their clients, right? 800 of their business customers about the impact that COVID had on their business. Now, this type of industry specific data is really interesting to others in the industry. Think about it. If you're reading whatever publication you're reading, let's say that you sell a uh, customized water bottles for companies, right? Corporatewaterbottleprinting.com. And you're reading Water Bottle Monthly all about how the corporate water bottle month, uh, how all the corporate water bottle uh, companies are doing and what's going on in the world of corporate water bottles. And you see an article which says 58% of corporate water bottle companies are on the brink due to COVID. You're reading that thing because it's telling you about how your competitors are doing and what's going on in your industry. So that type of data is really interesting to others in the industry. So when we sent this data out, we collected the data, we sent it out to industry-specific publications. They published it. They gave they wrote stories, they wrote articles about it, and they linked back to our client site. Fantastic. But it also got links for some real top-tier websites, including large consultancy firm Deloitte who referenced the data in one of their reports. This is fantastic. It brings huge authority and massively helps with ranking. So having something to say is really important if you're going to get coverage. Of course, you've got to do outreach on that. You can't just 
have something to say and just hope that people will find it and share it. That's generally not a good rule in life, especially not in marketing. You've got to do outreach on it, but you have to have something to say to begin with if you're going to pick up the coverage. So the action here, what expertise or knowledge do you have or could you find what expertise or knowledge do you have access to that you could share with the publications your target audience spends time reading? Okay, so think of the publications your target audience spends time reading. If you don't know, go and talk to them, go and ask them, offer them £25 Amazon voucher to talk to you for 15 minutes and say, what sites do you spend your time on for work? And then to figure out what would I need to give these sites in order to actually be interesting to them. So come up with a survey, come up with a study, find some information inside your business, which is really useful and interesting, and then go out to them. Okay, B2B inbound marketing strategy number five, squeeze the email marketing juice. Now with B2B typically having long purchase cycles, particularly in a pre-semi-recession quagmire, you might need to keep prospects warm for months or even years before they are ready to make a purchase. We had a client of Exposure Ninja come on board six years after first finding us. Six years. They got our emails every few days. They listened to the podcast. They watched the videos. Six years later, they said, do you know what? I think these ninjas might be onto something. And they pulled the trigger. Fantastic. But if we hadn't had all the automations, if we hadn't had the email marketing thing going on, that prospect would have drifted by then. The fact that we were able to hold their attention for six years shows the power of email marketing. Now, setting up automations in your email marketing is a great way to keep prospects like that moving towards a purchase on autopilot. So you're not having to follow up with that person for six years manually because nobody has time for that. And nobody should have time to do it. So here's basically how we would do this. What we do is we break our sales process into pipeline stages, okay? So in your email marketing system or in your CRM, you've got these different pipeline stages. So these pipeline stages might be initial contact. Then you might have, you know, someone's requested a quote. Then you might have someone's had a quote. Then you might have someone's had a follow-up call, right? So these are all going to be different stages in your CRM sequence. But what you can do is if you're using a CRM that's hooked up to your email marketing, is you can create automated email sequences that sit on each of these pipeline stages. So when someone gets moved into a new pipeline stage, you trigger a stream of emails to go out to them. So let me talk about how it works for us. A lead comes into Exposure Ninja, we create an opportunity in our CRM. That starts a carefully crafted sequence of emails designed to introduce Exposure Ninja and keep this lead warm until we have time to get to them, okay? So we've got a sequence of emails that goes out to that person which is designed for that specific situation. Now, once that lead moves into the next pipeline stage, once we've processed it somehow, that initial sequence stops automatically and a new sequence starts. Now, this second sequence is designed for warmer leads because now we've had some interaction with this person or this company. So they're now ready to get more tailored, warmer stuff. So we'll send them things like case studies and testimonials, things which are designed to sort of answer some of their questions, remove some of their objections, and basically increase the likelihood that they'll become a client. Now, once we've sent a proposal to them, there'll be a fo proposal follow-up sequence that will start automatically and the other sequence will stop. And this will ask the lead if they have any questions automatically. It will make sure they've received the proposal. It might send the link to the proposal out again automatically. So having this sort of email automation thing going on tied to your pipeline stages, not only makes sure that nobody ever forgets to follow up with their leads, it also increases our sales team's capacity for dealing with new inquiries. So when we first implemented this back in 2014, I built this stuff myself and it meant that we could go from a sales team of four to a sales team of one because we 
bought an office and it was a really bad idea and we had a terrible, terrible month. I had to let our sales team go and take it all on myself. But I couldn't follow up with all those leads myself. So I had to build this automated sequence, which allowed me to sort of systemize the follow up piece so I could just deal with the human aspects. Right. And then we've used basically exactly the same process for the last eight years. And we're now over 100 of us. So not salespeople, but there's now 100 ninjas. And we've built the whole thing using this exact process. So it really helps you. Um, sort of systemize your sales process and keep those leads warm for much longer than you'd be able to if you're doing it manually. So the action here is map out your sales funnel and design email automations to be triggered at each stage of that process. Create these emails based on how far through the sales process the leads are and what they'll be thinking as they go through. Now, by the way, if you want help with this stuff, we've got an email marketing team at Exposure Ninja who are absolutely brilliant. They are superb. Uh, Led by Abby. The stuff that we're doing with email marketing and the automations that we're building, I've not seen done elsewhere. So it really, really is good. So if you want some help with this, drop us a you know a message through ExposureNinja.com or drop me an email, Tim at ExposureNinja.com and I can introduce you and uh, we can see if we can help. Anyway, so that's uh, strategy number five, that's squeezing the email marketing juice. Now, inbound lead, B2B, marketing, digital, strategy number six <laughs> is to tune your website for conversions. Now, we talk a lot about conversion rate optimization here at Exposure Ninja because it's so important. Your website is, is, should be your primary marketing asset. It should be the main influence on your total B2B marketing success because it's where your leads are coming in through most of the time. So what makes an effective B2B website? Well, firstly, it needs to hit your audience right between the eyes. Now, remember, in B2B, we talked about this earlier, it's about quality rather than quantity. You don't necessarily want 100,000 leads from every possible business in, under the sun. You want, most B2B companies would take 15 incredible leads over a hundred trash leads because one, it's going to save them a whole bunch of time and you're going to put a whole lot of work into your leads. But two, it's also going to generate more business for you, right? So you want quality over quantity. Now, this means that when your perfect customer lands on your website, they need to be motivated to take action. It's no good that perfect customer coming onto your site and being like, yeah, I think this is right. Or it just feels a bit meh. You need that perfect customer because they're perfect and there might not be millions of them to like resonate. You need them to be on super heat. You need them to be massively charged and ready to convert. So how do you do that? Well, a lot a copy goes a long way. The copy the information on your site goes a long way. We've worked with a B2B uh, software company and they've done a fantastic job. We've worked with them since before they started all the way through to helping them grow to a multi-million pound exit. And their site has always had a really clear headline. Improve, uh, well, firstly, Continuous performance management software, improve productivity, engage employees. Okay, improve productivity, engage employees. That is really resonates with their target audience because those are exactly what their target audience wants to do. Now, above the fold on this website, there's also um, a few different sort of uh, snippets or bullet points, I guess, which are also designed to resonate with the sort of people that are buying this software. So people saying, I need my employees to have objectives aligned to strategic goals. I need my managers to have meaningful conversations that drive performance. I need my workforce to have strong engagement and well-being. I need data that gives me actionable people insights. So these are all things that their customers need. So when the customer goes on this, they get that sort of resonance response. They're like, oh, this is definitely, definitely for me. And that's the sort of thing that you want on your site. Another great example of a company that does this is Salesforce. And Salesforce has got some ugly, ugly landing pages going on. Really ugly pages with way too many form fields. It's just horrible. But one thing they do really well is understand their customers. So on salesforce.com, you can download 
the Salesforce Entrepreneur's Guide to Finding the Right CRM. So this is designed for the entrepreneurial character. And guess what they're talking about for the entrepreneurial character? They're talking about sustainable growth. They're talking about increasing sales, accelerating your growth, because that's what entrepreneurial folk like. Now, Salesforce doesn't just sell to the entrepreneur. It also sells to service teams. It sells to like operational teams. How does it talk to them? Well, if you want a demo of their service cloud service, service cloud product, they're talking about things like increased customer satisfaction, 37%, build customer loyalty, uh, deliver amazing customer service, increase first call resolution, agent productivity. Now, if you try and sell the entrepreneur that stuff, they're like, yeah, okay, cool. But does it drive growth? Does it increase sales? Whereas if you try and sell the service oriented person on growth, well, they might be thinking, oh gosh, that sounds stressful. Whereas if you sell them on customer satisfaction and loyalty, they're like, yeah, great, this sounds good. So they're resonating because they know what means the most to that segment of their audience. Does that make sense? So you really want to hit people between the eyes with this. Now, you also want to use multiple calls to action at different commitment levels. What does this mean? It means if you're driving people through to an information page, you're probably not going to get them to book a free trial of your software. Or if you're driving them to a blog post, you're probably not going to get them to sign up for a plan for their complete office management solution. That's too far in advance, right? It's like walking past someone on the street and asking for marriage. I hate that analogy, but it's a bit like that. It's too far forward. If you walk past someone on the street, you might smile. The best you can hope for is a phone number or an email address, right? It's lead capture. It's not yet, you know, get in the funnel, get in the um, get in the CRM system, opportunity open, we're going to try and close them. The best you can ask for is, you know, name, phone number, possibly your email, because then you can start a relationship, then you can start following up. And it's literally exactly the same with business, right? So we've got a client that um, sells, uh, uh, they sell chatbots, they sell chatbot services, we help them sort of identify they've got a few different niches that they can sell particularly effectively into. Um, for example, they can sell niches to um, housing associations. So on their website, when you go onto the page for housing associations, you've got two options. You can either request a demo, which is quite a high commitment call to action because you've already got to establish that you have a need here and it can be filled by this thing and that they're the right choice. But the other call to action, the sort of drop down, the lower commitment call to action is get an ebook, the ultimate guide to chatbots and social housing. This is much, much lower commitment, feels much safer to someone who's just walked past you on the street, right? So having different calls to action at multiple commitment levels is really important, particularly if you're driving a lot of organic traffic through blog, or even you're driving paid traffic through a blog, because that traffic is going to be, it's going to have less commercial intent. It's coming there for information. So you don't necessarily want to go for the kill. You want to go for something nice and gentle, get them in your email funnel, get them receiving an indoctrination sequence, which gives you all your best stuff, all the best stuff that you've put out. And then six years later, they can become a client. <laughs> okay, cool. So there you have it. You've got your six inbound B2B digital marketing strategies. Let me just recap them for you. Number one, we have using very industry specific or sector specific search terms, low search volume, but high commercial intent, build content, dominate for them. Secondly, we've got bludgeoning your competitors with massive amounts of amazing content to improve ranking for the most competitive, highly commercial terms. Thirdly, We've got building a huge pipeline through building top of funnel content. So the information stuff, the stuff that indicates that they're going to be shopping for your thing in a month, six months, a year, six years, whatever, but getting on their radar nice and early. Fourthly, we've got getting featured in industry publications, both for links and thought leadership by having something to share, having something to say. Fifthly, is it fifth, fifthly or fifth? 
I don't know, it's been a long day. Uh, we've got squeezing email marketing by having these different automations set up to trigger at different points of your CRM um, and different points of your sales pipeline and also using just general indoctrination sequences. And finally, we've got tuning your website for conversions by using the things we talked about, hitting your audience right between the eyes with your copy and making sure you've got calls to action at multiple different commitment levels. Okay, I hope you've enjoyed this. If you have, don't forget to go and request your free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. Just go to ExposureNinja.com. Please also leave a review or rating of this podcast if you enjoy it. If you absolutely hate it, then firstly, I'm surprised you got this far. But secondly, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> I'm joking. Just go and review us however you want to. Uh, go and check out our YouTube channel as well because we post videos on YouTube every week. We might even be about to start going to twice per week. Not too sure. Uh, but go to YouTube forward slash Exposure Ninja or just search Exposure Ninja on YouTube. I don't need to tell you how to do it. You're a functioning human being. You can find us on YouTube if you so want to. Until next week, see you soon.